What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm here, a very happy Sapoon, with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? Yeah, probably not quite as happy as you today, but, you know, it, it was a little bit of a fun game. We'll, we'll talk about it here shortly, but I, I'm not as fussed as I could be about that, um, or maybe I would have been previous year. So, you know, it, it was a decent match today. I'm glad you guys had fun, because I sure shit had fun yesterday watching the fucking blue shite fall apart. Fucking Rafa's at the wheel. I had a great day yesterday. I saw wrestling. I saw Mo do exactly what I said he was going to do. I feel fantastic. Yo, listen, let's start the show. If you went to AEW last night, you get the joke. If you didn't, please don't pay attention to anything I said after I was relevant. <laughs> and so we'll just edit that out, uh, Brayden. Um, <laughs> that being said, that, I'm going to start... Uh, because you know what, I'm the host. I'm gonna start this uh, by saying a big thank you to um, Michael Carrick as a kid who started watching him once he joined Man United to today, the only undefeated manager in Manchester United history. Um, amazing times. Thank you for the memories for 16 years. And you know what, I uh, a sh- shit player like Gerard can go be a good manager and amazing player like you can definitely go have an amazing managerial career. So excited to see what it, he has left. Ralph uh, Ragnick era is upon us at Manchester United. But before that, the era of getting some results of our bets is upon us as well. So Braden, would you like to uh, give us the results that I probably do not want to hear about? <laughs> yeah yeah we'll get to that um yeah so if it's your first time listening uh what we do is we will bet on uh, each of the three-way money lines uh for all the games on the slate so each of the 10 games uh in a typical week and uh right now we'll tally it up and see how we all did with our virtual pod bucks as we like to call them uh so this week again 10 games an outlay of a thousand pod bucks uh, Sapoon was in third returning uh 271 pod bucks and 79 pod cents um a little rough there but you know it's okay you you have real life enjoyment which is better than <laughs> enjoyment don't screenshot that um will a second this week with 596 pod bucks and 79 pod cents um a, l- a little better you got the newcastle norwich draw which is uh helps you, help made that a little bit more respectable um and for me uh profitable this week a flat twelve forty five pod bucks uh for an ROI of a cool uh twenty four percent. Um pr- pretty pleased with this week. No, well, you're the only one. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, this is what happens once the as Christmas gets closer, Manchester United starts winning and more and more games keep on coming one after the other, and we have we had a full slate of midweek games. We are going to have a full slate of weekend games, barring snow at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So the only question I really have is if you're going to spend billions of dollars, like have a contingency plan of when the fuck it snows. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not saying that you need to know when it snows, but rather have a contingency plan of when it snows, how the fuck you're going to play. Having said that, I think the game might have been at Burnley, so... Sorry, Sean Dyche and uh, Antonio Conte for all of that shit. But let's get into it. We will discuss some of the results. Any standout results for you, Will, outside of the Muzzy side, Davia, I assume? Another week, another... I, 
again, United, like everyone keeps telling me they were supposed to be shitty and they were okay. And I, a lot of this week kind of felt like chalk to me. There was not a lot of movement at the table and results, at least among the the leading pack, if you will, kind of played, you know, played out as you expected. So I don't really, I didn't really have anything stand out uh, aside from the fact that, you know, my parlay was kind of okay. Uh, again, I, it wasn't a bad performance from Arsenal today. Uh, it, it looked a tidbit young. Like, I, that's a terrible way to describe it, but, like, it looked like a young team who kind of, I, I don't know. United looked a tidbit more classy than I may have given credit for. And I'm very confused as to what the narrative is with them right now, and that's why I'm having a hard time with words, because on one hand, it feels like there's a club in flux, but on the other hand, like, they're still fucking Manchester United, and they can still come out and do this on the day. So today was just another, you know, reiteration that, you know, they're not as bad as we think they are, and possibly we may have been uh, we may have been freaking out for nothing. Uh, also, may have just been Ole's fault, and that kind of sucks because you know I want him to banish somewhere else. That's not you know Istanbul. I, I mean, all right. So I guess we'll just go straight into the uh, Arsenal Man United match. Um, to to the thing about Ole, like you know, I think people sometimes lose lose sight of the fact that like this is typically what happens to managers, like the the main thing that happens with a manager ending his tenure at a club is that he gets sacked, right? Like that, like that's how managers like the Ferguson, like stepping down after he wins a title, like that's the outlier. That's the rare one. Um, and so like this just happens with teams, I think where, you know, you, you do things for a while, it doesn't work out and um, it requires a change. Like, I don't think that, the past five weeks are really that indicative of Ole's like actual managerial ability. I think it's just like, it just stopped working for United and that's fine. They get a change and it'll be better. And so like, I think that the narrative has been about how bad United have been. And, and like, I just don't buy that like at all. Like they're still, they finished second last year, brought in some very good players and, uh they're still a very good. It was because the other top four teams were not good. I was uh, told. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's sure. the only reason. Yeah, I, that that in and of itself is so annoying. Like, you get where you, you finish where you finish on the table, and and that's like what it is. Like, if everyone else was bad, like who gives a shit? Like, that's their fault for being bad. <laughs> it's not your fault. Um. So. I think that United have been underperforming for sure, but it was always a team that was going to come in, and once they made the change, it was going to get better. And I think this is like the first step of it. Uh, I think there will be more steps to follow, but that's kind of how I how I took it. And you know, I think Will, you're spot on for this was a young performance from Arsenal, like probably a little naive at times, and. You know, I mean, some things just didn't work out. Like, De Gea made a few good saves and one really weird um, decision for the first goal of the game. But um, I, I think that's a pretty accurate description of just, like, a little bit of a naive performance from Arsenal in this match. And coming out to the team in United that were uh, very ready to play, very focused, and I think, um, you know, trying to go in and put the new philosophy in place. Yeah, 
I think we are going to see something very interesting now um, because, again, regardless of what anybody thinks, I think, Will, you were not on the podcast at the time, but um, what we had discussed was essentially that, like, Ole seems like a very nice guy and, like, the players absolutely loved him. It wasn't like a Mourinho situation where the players just gave up on him. And when that happens for somebody like a Bruno, somebody like a Ronaldo who, like, actually wants him to succeed they will try to do a lot more, take a lot of chances and all of that, which normally ends up impacting you negatively when things aren't going your way and you're still trying to take chances. And I think that's ultimately what happened with Ole. Um, you know, and I'm very happy to see the banner and all of that today, but uh, I missed the first half. There was an incident with Maguire that people said should be a penalty. I saw the replay, and from the replay, what it looked like was something that happens almost every corner in the league. You can have your opinion on whether or not that should be a penalty. But I think if you, I think if VAR wants to, you can very easily correct that and people will stop doing that. But if you are not, if you're going to sparingly call it like one time, you call, sparingly, sorry. Um, if you call it once and then don't call it for the next 10 games and then call it again, that just pisses people off. You know, like th- that's where I stand with a call like that. And I mean, I think the player that we everybody's going to forget about that we need to talk about is going to be Fred. I mean, he, I think, in the last two games against Chelsea and now against uh, Arsenal has put in, like, absolutely amazing performances and uh, very happy about what where he's going. And Arsenal, I mean, I, I don't think you can play the football Arteta once as long as Elneny is a starting midfielder. I know that you know, today he's not a starting midfielder, but he his presence kind of makes the other midfielders look bad. I don't think Partey was as bad as I've seen uh, some people on Arsenal Twitter, especially like groups complaining about him. But the game that really stood out to me um, this midweek slate was Chelsea against Watford. I think there are two ways to take that result, and I'd love to hear a quick opinion from y'all about that. Is one, you can look at Chelsea and say, hey, they drew against United at home, probably a game they expected to win, and then uh, played against a Watford team that is somewhat decent now, apparently, and won, and, like, grinded out a win. But you can also look at conversely, like, they should be, if they want to win the league, they should be dispatching Watford, regardless of what the circumstances are. So, Braden, where do you stand with Chelsea in that regard? I was unaware I did not get the memo that Watford were a decent team now. Um I will go back and check my spam folder and, and, and see if it's in there because I certainly did not get that. Um I I mostly agree with, with that take of you know, a win is a win and it, it's fine. Um and I know that they'll be getting Lukaku back and that'll make a difference, but like you would really hope to be a little bit more dominant of uh, this Watford team. So like Watford and grand, like 0.08 XG is not like, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but you know, Watford had more XG by 0.08 in this game, 0.99 to 0.91. And like, I just don't think it's a like classic Chelsea performance. Like Arsenal went and beat, Watford by a goal, but like the XG was like point or like 2.9 to like 0.2 or something. And like, 
a, a pretty dominating performance that the goals just didn't go in. And that's not what happened in this game is like Chelsea were just kind of decent, but they took good shots and, and, and went in. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was not impressed uh, overall in this game, but like fair play, they get three points and, and really like, that's what matters. It's not, um, uh, you know, style points and expected points and all that sort of stuff is, what we use to kind of evaluate teams during the season, but it's not what matters. What matters is the points. So fair play, I guess, but that don't impress me much. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the one thing I do want to add, and like, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to go out there and admit it, uh, admit this on football Twitter or anywhere else for that matter. Even um, pundits at the time when Saul signed for Chelsea, I saw so many fucking United fans and everybody just mad that they were signing a midfielder when they already have so many midfielders and United need a midfielder like him and we aren't signing him. I mean, yo, like, look at him. And, like, my midfield is McTominay and Fred, and he makes that look good in the way he played. So, like, you know, I I think there are a lot of L's to be handed out for Saul, but... uh, Thankfully for Chelsea, it wasn't an L that was handed off to them that day. I would say that Chelsea looked a tidbit uneven. I'm not going to say that Watford looked good because y'all know how I feel about Watford. Also, people who win titles and get burned by Watford. Eh. Um, I am going to go a complete opposite direction. Um, first off, glad to hear that the fans okay, but there was a big like 30-minute delay in the match that took everybody out of it. Uh, just on a side note, it is very terrifying to me as a human that this is like the third game this season in which someone's just had a heart attack in the stands. Like, yeah, just that's crazy. Had, like, it's not a thing that normally happens in any sporting event I see. So this is very strange to me, and it definitely sat with me weird. But I can't really rate too much about that performance because there was such a gap in time in which stuff stopped. And like, and I like it wasn't like it. It felt like two different matches. Like, the second the match stopped, everything kind of took a second. Everyone had to get themselves back together. And once they did, like, Chelsea won the game towards the end. Chelsea kind of, they didn't necessarily assert themselves, but they kind of developed and came out as you would expect them to. I think it's an outlier right now just because of what happened in the stands. I will say, if Chelsea have some issues like that again, Maybe we start talking about it, uh, but for right now, um, it's just a strange game, and I'm not going to be aggrieved that the league leaders lost to Watford, because again, I'm way too fucking familiar with that, so they can kick down that old yellow big road by themselves. They still got the fucking win. That is a good point about the delay in the game and how that affects teams, because I, I do think that that can be difficult to just kickstart again and go back and start playing. So yeah, I definitely get that, um, even if like Chelsea probably should have done better. Perhaps that did cause that did have an effect in the game. Yeah, that is uh, very very fair. And I mean, talking about Chelsea and needing to prove themselves, I think um, this upcoming game is going to essentially uh, show us a lot, uh, in my opinion, what Chelsea are made of. And we can get started with the preview right here. West Ham taking on Chelsea first game of the weekend. West Ham at plus 340, Chelsea at minus 125, draw at plus 250, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, I feel like West Ham have shown us enough, despite the recent results, 
that if there is a vulnerability that can be exposed with Chelsea, they are a good candidate to do that, especially at home. I mostly agree that, you know, you can put in the London Derby thing. Like, these two teams actually, like, don't like each other. Like, there's some London Derbies that I think kind of get overrated. Like, I heard some people talk about, like, Arsenal Fulham is a London Derby. And it's like, yeah, sure, but our teams don't really care about that one. <laughs> um, not At least not like some of the other ones. But like, I think this one actually is a thing that these two teams don't really care for each other that much. And and that may be more of a West Ham thing doesn't like Chelsea more than the other way around. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, I do think that could play into West Ham's favor in this match. I, I expect West Ham to be a well-organized team that will, you know, go out there and I think they can take advantage of the fact that Chelsea having a little bit of trouble scoring goals consistently. And I don't think that they have that goal scorer that can just go out and win you a game when it's hard and def- and defenses are sitting back uh, and are difficult to break down. Like I think that may be a little bit of struggle for them. And maybe it comes on a set piece. Chelsea are very good at set pieces, but you know, West Ham also have Suche Antonio. Like they've got big physical bodies uh, back there as well so uh, that may be more difficult for Chelsea as well so I think it presents a really good matchup for me I'm gonna go with the draw like I think these two teams are pretty I don't want to say they're evenly matched Chelsea is a better team but West Ham playing at home it being a win Derby I do think that there's that West Ham are good enough to get something from this match I'm a little pessimistic that they get the win but I can definitely see it happening Hey, yo, fuck pessimism. I'm taking West Ham. Uh, I know, I know, I know I just said that it is outlier, uh, that match because of what happened in the Saints, everything like that. And maybe Chelsea, not necessarily have found out, but had some unevenness, uh, a little bit of issue between the ear because something like that happening, it's going to take you away from the match. Um, that being said, West Ham is a very organized unit and this Chelsea team in fits and spurts, can occasionally be sorted out by a team who's well-organized and well-drilled. And I'm going to – I'm also going to give this to the home fans. I think these West Ham fans are going to be – I'm going to say it – litty-titty and ready to go. Uh, and it's – I think they might be able to carry them through. Uh, please ignore the litty-titty part. Um, but I'm going to go with West Ham. I just – there comes a certain point where a team who's a title contender has to have a slip up against a lateral team. And I'm not saying West Ham's completely lateral, but they're like equidistantly diagonal, sort of. And I think they're going to put the boost to them, and Chelsea might get found out a little bit. So I'm going to take West Ham. I'm going to blow those bubbles. Uh, This does have a bit of a Georgia, Georgia Tech biter syndrome to it, where West Ham's like, we hate you so much. And Chelsea's like, I don't think about you at all. Mad Men reference. but I think it's time for little brother to uh, kick big brother in the mouth. Just one of these times. For my sake. Uh, I, I feel like that's a little too far well. But um, <laughs> I am going to go with a draw in this situation as well. I think um, there are enough vulnerabilities at Chelsea that West Ham might be able to exploit them. And I just don't feel confident in a minus 125 Chelsea right now. Like, straight up. I think... There are question marks, and we shall see if uh, West Ham can take advantage of that. Uh, moving on to the next one, Newcastle at Burnley. Newcastle at plus 125 at Burnley against Burnley. 
Burnley at plus 220, draw at plus 225, over-unders at 2.5. Newcastle are still to win a game in the Premier League. Do you think they are about to beat Burnley? Because this seems like a game that, you know, that might have, like, a crazy scoreline because normally when, like, two shit teams meet, that sometimes just, like, creates fireworks. Well, I, it, like, in my head, the vision test that I see is that Burnley play a a stagnant, I'm trying to avoid beige, but fuck a y'all, you know, a beige, stagnant, kind of stymieing football, and Newcastle want to play kind of expansively, kind of excitingly, uh, which would lead me to believe that Newcastle might go out and put the straps to Burnley? I don't even feel sure about saying it myself, because I don't, like, I could see this being, like, dustpan, boring shit, or it could be, like, one of the most hype games of the weekend. I'm going to go with Newcastle. Cornet, that's it. That's all Burnley got. Newcastle have a couple of situational talented people in there who can make things happen. I think that there's just not enough for Burnley to outclass what little class Newcastle have. So for the 73rd week in a row, I'm going to pick Newcastle and I'm going to be fucking wrong because at this point, I, it might as well just be a bit like, they, they have to win the game, not just because, like, you know, they need to, to maintain premiership status, whatever, but, like, legitimately, they have a decent amount of footballers who should be able to put together a game in which they win. It's got to happen at some point. It's probably not going to be this week, but maybe I'm just going to ride it out until it does. I don't know. I'm going to pick Newcastle. I'm going to have them get over the hump, and I'm going to be wrong, but on paper, they should win. At least in my head. Well, it's like it's got to happen at some point. And I'm going to be there for the plus 125 when it does. Um, <laughs> I, I, another like joke before I get started on the pick. Um, over Thanksgiving, my nephew described uh, his favorite color as beige because it's the, <laughs> uh, it's the color of wheat. And so, like, now I'm just like, I, I just think of like Burnley as this like team of bread. Like the baguettes or something. Like I, no baguettes are too fancy. Like it, it's I I don't know. It's I, I found that very humorous. So like that's all I can think about, about whatever you call it beige football now. Um, so as as far as the game itself goes, like I, Newcastle had to play eighty minutes down to ten, and I think that you may see this on a short turnaround. This may be a little bit of a problem for them. Like Joe Linton had to play uh, as a midfielder. Like it was a very, um, I, I think it's the kind of exhausting game that can just be very um, tricky to, to recover from this quickly and, and really like make the difference in the game. And like, I think that could be kind of what you see is you have Burnley last week, uh, didn't have to play a game then they you know they played midweek but now you have this one so i i kind of think that burnley should be a good bit fresher than newcastle and that might make a difference in this game i like what newcastle showed against norwich like even down to 10 like i i think they had a lot of like grit to see that out and, and get the point um and i do believe in newcastle's talent over the long term i think they are going to be fine they need to get a win at some point but um, I, I don't think it's going to be this one. I, I'm going to go with Burnley. I think plus 220 is about right. I, I think there's better things for this Newcastle team, but I 
don't think they're quite there yet. Um, I, I kind of agree, but I'm going to go with Newcastle just because I, I think at some point, as Will said, like they're going to win a game. I think this is as good as any that you can win. And I think Burnley like will try to at some point like open up a little bit to, in this game just because I think they also know like you can get three points. Like Newcastle aren't that good right now, and it's a game that they can definitely you know, go get three away points and get their uh, situation in the Premier League, um, you know, sorted out. So I think uh, Newcastle, for me, I uh, granted, I will say, like, if Newcastle do play like crazy, which they do from time to time because Burnley set back, I mean, a player like Cornette can absolutely eat up the defense. So I hope that happens. He's on my FPL team. Um, so please go do something. Anyway, moving on to the next one, Southampton against Brighton. Southampton at home at plus 145, Brighton at plus 190, draw at plus 220, over-unders at two and a half. I feel like Brighton have ultimately become, in the last couple of years, what like we were used to with Southampton, like playing some good football, getting results, and Brighton's become that. So do you think this is a game that Brighton goes into the same areas and are like, hey, like, we're better than you and we're, we're going to show you or do you think given the quality given the way they play this is a much closer game Braden this one's a tough one for me to sort out like I think that Brighton have regressed a little bit from the kind of hot start that they had at the beginning of the year I think they I think they played well overall but I think they were a really good team at the start of the season and are now just like a pretty decent mid-table team and I kind of feel the same about Southampton, just like from different starting positions. Like I think Southampton were playing like a pretty decent mid-table team, and now they're playing like a team that's probably going to escape relegation. I, I think Brighton are a better overall team. It's at St. Mary's. I think that can be a tricky place to play at times. I, sometimes you get a 9-0, but, you know, whatever. Um I don't know. Like for me, it's tough. So I'm going to lean a little bit on the plus favorites and just kind of like trust in that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go with Southampton. I, I can see a lot of things happening in this game and, and I can honestly see Brighton go in and getting a nice, like comprehensive two nil win. Like that's definitely on the table, but I just kind of think that it being at St. Mary's, um, I, I think Southampton are starting to, also maybe get a little bit healthier and i think um maybe that makes a difference here like i think these are two pretty even teams overall i'm gonna i'm gonna ride that vibe too uh y'all know i tend to base things on the performance from the week before and we saw two i'm gonna go ag performances from both these sides uh you have a brighton team who uh kind of finds a way to fight back against west ham you have a southampton team who came out and played decent football against a Leicester team who is uneven at best, but it's still a team with, uh, at this point, some like name brand credibility. And I think that that's going to even each other out. I think these, I say the same shit every week and I apologize, but y'all know I'm about to say two teams, different directions, same point. I'm not going to believe the point. I'm going to pick the draw, not just because I feel like these two teams are pretty even and like the way they match up. It's going to be an exciting game. I might take the over. Um, but also the draw would pay me the most. So if I can get paid the most by being indifferent, the indifference train I shall ride. So draw it is uh not appointment viewing, but this will be a good match to watch. I will definitely have my 
have my eyeballs glued to this uh, in the wee small hours of Saturday. That's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Brighton in this game. I think uh, they are the better team. And when Tariq Lamptey is in form, I think they're, they're a different team. Like, they're very hard to play against. And he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal right back. And it's weird to say this, but, like, in the Premier League, all of a sudden, like, if you have a good right back, you are a very good team. Like, or at least very hard to play against, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't say Brighton are a very good team, but um, very hard to play against. And I'm a... I'm going to give it to Brighton. I think Southampton have a lot of weaknesses that Brighton are definitely going to exploit. However, if it's a high-scoring game, as you think will, um, I think Southampton probably edges that out. Anyway, moving on to the next one. Wolves at home at plus 500, taking on Liverpool at minus 200. Draw at plus 330, over-unders at three. Will, this seems like a game that Liverpool, given the form they're in, are about to walk into Molyneux and absolutely smacked the shit out of Wolves, given Wolves' recent record. Hey, it's, uh, the only thing I will say about Wolves is uh, Hawaii's going along very nicely, and I feel like that guy can give people fits uh, in the back, so that's one thing I would watch from Wolves, but aside from that, I best football team in the world is not just a song, but it's starting to feel like a real thing. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be a smacking because I do think there's a little bit more in this Wolves team that we don't give them credit for because I feel like we expected probably too much uh, from when we started the podcast. But this feels like a comprehensive Liverpool victory. And if I'm going to have to pick someone minus this week, it's going to be them Redmen. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be short and sweet about it. I'm going to pick Liverpool. Uh, things are trending up and I'm getting real heartened here. So before before I start to cry, Liverpool will walk. I mean, I certainly think it's fair to expect Liverpool to win this game. Like, I, they are definitely one. Like, they're easily one of the favorites to win the title this year. Um, throw City, throw Chelsea in there. I I think that Liverpool are maybe like the most fragile of them, meaning that like as long as Liverpool have their front three and as long as like van dyke is healthy like i think liverpool are favorites but like let something happen there and not favorites anymore um but i i think that liverpool right now playing you know i think they're playing the best football in the league right now that said like wolves molyneux like this is the thing that like has been their identity for a little while and I, if you look at Wolves, like, I think that they are a team that has been very good at being organized and just, like, kind of stifling teams going forward and, um, you know, not letting anyone score, um, including themselves when they play against bad teams. But um, <laughs> Wolves are a team that I think can get, like, a 1-1 draw or something in this game. So I'm going to go with the draw. I think you're getting paid the right amount for it if that's what you, if that's what you want. Um you know, I I could sanction a small bet for Bulls on the money line here at plus five hundred. Like I do think that they that there's enough of an outside chance at Molyneux to see this, but like I will say I'm not that interested in the over in this game. Three seems like a good one. Four as compact as this Wolves team's plays to take the under and just like pray you don't get one of those Salah games. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the draw. I, I think 
Wolves will kind of dig in a little bit, and um, you've you've got ever or you've got Liverpool coming off a big, um, you know, Derby win against Everton. Maybe they catch them a little bit by surprise here. You know, I I think that would have been a theory I could have gotten behind if like Everton had made it close and Liverpool had to kind of claw in and win the game at Goodison. I think you kind of see the class in this Liverpool team, and ultimately you have to match them on talent to have a chance. I think, uh, and ultimately, I I do not think Wolves are anywhere close to having a chance in this game. I think uh, maybe it's not Salah's day, it's Jota's day. Like, maybe it's not Jota, it's fucking Trent. Like, it's they just have too many uh, players who are put in positions to succeed. And this is a game that I think Liverpool are going to go in and, again, like, score three, four goals. I think they're already through in their... Uh, no, I, I don't think. I know that they're already through in the Champions League group, so they don't have to worry about the midweek games. So go in, put in a performance. I expect a very easy Liverpool win um, as far as this game goes. It's the easiest minus 200 you will ever bet on. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Watford taking on City. Watford at plus 1,000 city at minus 385, draw at plus 500, over-unders at three and a half. I mean, after shitting on Watford, do you think they're about to pull off uh, an incredible upset here, Braden? Nope. I'm going with City. They're a better team, much better team. A deeper team, which I think matters after we've had, like, you know, the three games and uh, – eight or eight days or whatever like city are the deepest team in the league i i think this is city i'm not i'll I'll take my minus three five medicine and kind of be fine with it yeah city's gonna win and wofford's not that great but plus 1000 is disrespectful to anyone just in the history of life like a plus you you don't stand a chance if you didn't show up you might win like that's how that feels to me and as much as i would love to take that action and just literally probably bathe in city tears should they lose i'm not an idiot on most days so i'm gonna go with city here because as because it's fucking city and like i feel like i say that so much but like it's fucking city and especially now when you gotta rotate they'll be fine fuck you jack Grealish. he used to love you you know what i'm gonna take a draw in this game i i can live i can live without the minus um 385 um in this situation i mean no reasoning really i do not like the minus 385 that's pretty much it um on to the next game two teams that are kind of were fan favorites and for leeds most of the season haven't been brentford have been very good and recently have had a pretty torrid time in the premier league leeds at plus 110 at home against brentford at plus 250 draw at plus 230 over under is a two and a half i will say for all the concerns that brentford has had recently this line is i feel like a little disrespectful to brentford i mean yeah a part of me thinks that leads push on from what happened last week uh they they beat palace and palace are a decent side and i think that that's just the spark that leads needs including the fact that it's at home and they have their home support, and they've just won, which means that these bunch of assholes are galvanized, and when they're galvanized, they tend to play just a tidbit out of the park. 
Um, this Brentford team, I again, I would hope for the best. I thought you were going to do good today, but you didn't. There's going to be performance out of Leeds at some point, and it, this feels like where it happens. So I'm going to go ahead and against my own better judgment, because I want to win more money, I'm going to take Leeds because it just feels like a spot where Leeds continue to kick on and remind us that they're not, you know, bottom table fodder. They're mid-table fodder. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. Like, I think this is a Brentford team that ever since David Rye has gone down, I think they've struggled to uh, defend very well. I think especially away from home, it's been difficult for them. And you've got a Leeds team that uh, they've got – they had a bad start. They're having a lot of trouble scoring right now. But, like, the the defense is playing, like, really pretty well. I, I mentioned this in, in the previous one, uh, but start of – October, uh, Leeds are second in the league in goals allowed at six. Like Chelsea have four goals allowed, and like that's a pretty good spot to to be in. Like they have figured something out a little bit there, and I'm gonna go with Leeds here. Um, I would be interested in the under. I'm probably gonna be interested in the under in most games that Leeds play <laughs> until I see they'll be able to score a few more goals and be a little bit more adventurous. But like, for right now, I just think they play so compact that uh, I I think that this isn't the Leeds team that we saw last year come in and just be like, we're just going to continue to bomb forward and press and man mark and, and do all those things. Like this is a, this is a very different, more conservative Leeds team. That is fair. Um, I'm going to go with Leeds as well, just because I think any other result in this game would make me happy. I hope to see some vulnerabilities from Leeds in this game. And Brentford taking advantage. I'm Tony. I really need some goals. Brother, you're on my FPL team. Please go do something. Um, outside of that, don't really have a whole lot to say. Maybe my boy Dan James is going to do something in this game. That's pretty much all I got. Um, moving on to... The next game, a game of um, huge significance for a lot of Manchester United fans. The Finally, we have gone from the permanent manager to the caretaker manager to now who is supposedly this lord and savior of Manchester United uh, in Ralph Ragnick. First game in charge, work permit's been cleared. Tomorrow, Friday, is his first press conference. Um, I mean, Will... I'm going to come to you first. Do you think this kind of a perfect game given how Palace play? Or do you think, given Ragnick and how he play, given the fact that he played an exhaustive game against uh, a pretty decent Arsenal side, uh, there are a lot of chances for a plus 450 Crystal Palace to come out and win? This is not your, your mom and dad's Crystal Palace team from a couple seasons ago where it's a laughable joke. Um, this is a team that has some fangs, has some bite, and has a manager who kind of has them playing well and has some decent talent. Um, first off, every time I mention this man's name, I want to say Ragnarok, so I'm just going to say it. I know what his name is, but he's Ralph Ragnarok to me because I like comic books, and that's how I can remember his name. So the homeboy Ragnarok is about to come in here and lay the hammer down. I think you see United play a different style. I think you see him play up-tempo. I think this Palace team takes a bit of a punch to them, but I think United uh, can solidly take them. And those home fans are going to be obnoxious and ready for it. So much like Leeds, the assholes are going to get behind them. And I feel like this isn't going to be a walk for United. 
this is going to be one of those, like, they're going to feel real good about this win because it's going to be hard, as they say in wrestling, a hard fart, like, <laughs> fucking fight. Uh, so I'm going to take United. Um, but I would not be surprised if Crystal Palace come out swinging real hard and make it a little bit more difficult for United than we're giving credit for. Because I think this Crystal Palace team has a tidbit more promise than maybe I have given them in previous seasons. That's what happens when you put, put, put a black guy in charge. I didn't want to say it, but that's what's going to come out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think this is a... If you watch Palace this year, I think the, like kind of their approach has been to be very careful conservative the first half of the match and then try to get something in the second half. And I am curious how that works against the United team that I think, you know, from what we know from Ragnarok, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think that, uh, I think you're going to see a very high intensity game there. And so I am wondering how those two styles are going to contrast there. I do think that this is part of what, um, Vieira has been retooling the team for it. Like the first thing that Vieira did when he got there was buy center backs who can pass the ball. And I think that's a key thing to have against United and the press and all that sort of thing. So I think that that's going to be kind of a key thing is whether those young center backs that, uh, you know, Vieira shows himself and is bringing up are going to be able to cope with, um, what what I assume will be a similar performance from what we saw against um, Arsenal th- uh, in this past week. And so I'm going to go with United. I think this is a grind-out game. Like, I, I'm with you, Will. Like, I think this is a match that United wins, but I don't think it's one that's necessarily comfortable. I can see Palace getting a result from this. Like, I, you know, you can kind of see, like, y- you can see... United pressing and and getting used to that style and just losing Zaha on, on the counter and like all of a sudden he's through and like Maguire's pulling him down and doesn't get the benefit of like it being on a set piece like he got today um, and so I, you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with United but I think it's gonna be a tough game for them I mean <laughs> I genuinely do not know what to expect in this game. Like, I'm going to be very honest. I watch those Leipzig teams play a little bit. I uh, I do not watch a whole lot of Bundesliga. But from what little I do watch, it's a very different ball game there. And playing the way Rangnick played, I think it, it it's going to take time to instill really what he wants to do. And I, I do not think he's about to come in and be like, I everybody has to press, everybody has to run 90 minutes. Like, I think he's going to take a more uh, Thomas Tuchel ex- approach. I think he's going to come in and kind of try to, you know, it, like, not press for the sake of pressing, but rather have a plan like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Because, again, like, he's going to have, what, two training sessions, maybe? Like, you'll have Friday morning, when he'll have to do a bunch of media duty and then Saturday where he's going to have a little bit of time with the team. So I do not see like how United change a lot. I expect a draw in this game. Actually, fuck it. I'm going to take Palace in this game. Um, I there think... we go. There he is. There he is. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I personally just think that 
the, I don't think the manager necessarily was the only problem at United. I think there are deeper issues with the team. And that's why you see us linked with some midfielders for the January window as well. Um, I let's we should have a bingo board of all Leipzig players, and I think we will hit get there before <laughs> the January window. But I I think this is a game United do struggle, and I think Palace have been a little hard in the last couple of games. But as you guys mentioned, as uh, Braden especially mentioned, Zaha on a breakaway like that is very likely in a game like this, and this is what like a Patrick Vieira team will live for right now. Like they don't have the talent to match you, but they have the energy and the style um, to try to hurt you from time to time. So I expect a tough game, but, uh, and I, I don't, I think, I guess the last interim manager started away and won five one. So we'll see how this interim manager starts his stint. I, I will say, uh, to your point like about United needing a midfielder, I think that's true. Uh, but I also think that the pressing style that Ragnarok is expected to employ, and I think you saw a little bit of it today in the Arsenal-United uh, match, I think that it's one thing that can kind of... He can't hide midfielders who aren't athletic, but it can hide some midfielders that aren't as maybe skilled. So, like, a, a guy like, like, look at Liverpool, for example. Like, Jeannie Wijnaldum is not, like, this master technician on the ball or anything like that. But he's athletic, he gets to the right spots, and is a, was an effective midfielder for Liverpool. And I think that, like, maybe you see, like, Fred just be kind of like that in a super effective player that um, is maybe you know, not a silky midfielder on the ball or anything like that, but just is in the right spot, presses and is a good defender and is a handy player. And so I I do wonder if, like, this is kind of a shrewd thing to hide one of United's, like, immediate weaknesses. Well, before you go, like, I, I, I want to say something that I have noticed the last three games that we have played that really stood out to me. Under Oleg and Solskjaer, um, we, the midfield, even when it was a double pivot, even when it was like a midfield three, whatever you want to call it, um, you had Fred as like essentially the defensive midfielder most times, unless Matic was playing, he was the last man. And once Carrick took over for those three games, you he put McTominay as the last person, which isn't great because he doesn't like getting the ball in tight spaces and such, neither does Fred, but... Fred is a more effective presser of the ball. And, like, he can... He's not good... If you allow somebody to just come at him, he's not good at really stopping that. McTominay can, from time to time, do well enough. Whereas Fred is somebody... If you let him just run around and press, he can be, like, a poor, poor, poor man's version of uh, what N'Golo Kante does for Chelsea. So, I, I think there is a side that I agree with you, Braden, that... Um, Rangnick can really come in and change with United. I I just think I mentioned this about the Liverpool Everton game that if it was an emotional like draining game, you probably see a shock in the next game even if it seems easy. I think this is that for United like it was a draining game. Like you saw Ronaldo exhausted, you saw Bruno exhausted, you saw how much it meant to everyone when they won. So I think that that's one of the primary reasons I think there's a trip up coming in this situation. That's fair. If I can add anything before we move on to the next part, it's just that if you had told me several years ago that we'd be sitting on this podcast 
singing the praises of the ascent of Fred, I would have thrown you down a flight of stairs. In the last three games, he's looked one of the more competent footballers I've seen in a hot minute. And I just didn't expect that from the guy. So I, I don't want him to press on, but like, I do kind of want to see what he evolves into. Cause if he continues to kind of play this play the way he is right now, we could be talking about Fred and yet again, 20, 29 year old will not prepared for all this fucking Fred talk, man. Like, I really had a lot of jokes saved for Fred this year. He's He's been a steady hand, and I fucking hate it. And I don't want to say his name no more. Start calling him George or Oscar or something. Sorry. Nothing quite like a Brazilian having a very, like, one, a single name which sounds very English. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to the next one. Tottenham at home against Norwich. Tottenham at minus 235. Norwich at plus 600. Draw at plus 370, over-unders at 3. I mean, they won against Brentford. They played really well. It was an XG of 2.8 or 2.28, I think. So, decent performance. Brayden, do you think they kick on against a Norwich team that have somewhat looked decent, but not really, I guess, given last weekend? It's really tough to figure out what to do with this Norwich team. Like, I, you kind of think that, like, they're decent, but... Or, Hold on, I should back up. You kind of think that they're playing a little bit better. I don't want to say they're decent. Like, they're playing better than they were, which was at a historically bad pace, but I don't know what to, th- I don't know what to think of them overall. For me, I'm, I'm going to go with the draw, and this is mostly about the line. Like, I don't trust the Spurs team at minus 235. Spurs are a better team. They should beat Norwich at home. 100%. But I do think there's enough about what Dean Smith is doing with his Norwich team that maybe they go in and I even as I say it, I, I, I'm not sh- fully sure I believe it. Um, but, I, I mean, I do think that Spurs' defense is potentially leaky enough when you talk about, like, Dyer, Sanchez, um, and, and a lot of those guys. Like, I, I think that it's there if you can get there and put pressure on. And so I, you you can have an outlier situation where I think Norwich gets something from this game. I'm going to go with a draw just because I don't trust Spurs at minus 235. Uh, that feels fair. Uh, as Dean Smith's teams find a way, uh, and I feel like they will be able to find a way. I feel like they brought this man in with a very specific idea in mind. Hey, dude, when there were no fans in the stadium, you made sure that Jack Grealish could get his big contract by keeping a team up. And that's exactly why he brought, was brought into Norwich after being dismissed from the same club that he said. So whatever. Um, fits and spurts from this fits and spurs team leads me to believe that a well-drilled and Tottenham can be frustrated. They can get frustrated very easily. And I think Dean Smith can send them out there and be like, just niggle these guys, let them get a little grumpy, and then you might be able to get in and like get behind them. It's going to be the dumbass bet of the week. I'm going to put my money where my theory is. I'm going to take Norwich. And yes, this Spurs team should win at home, and it's fine. And no, I don't think that Dean Smith has turned Norwich around. There's this fucking wonderful success story, and Team Mupuki is literal Christian Jesus. No, I don't believe in any of that. But I feel like on the day, if Dean Smith goes, look, 
Sometimes, if you annoy them enough, they just might fall apart and cry in a corner. George might go ahead and do it. And Spurs are known to capitulate when they need to. I need them to capitulate. I'm going to pick them Canaries. Shout out to Paige, because they're still on the wrestling tip. I mean, um, I don't think there's anyone in the world who thinks uh, Timu Puki is Christian Jesus. But um, <laughs> having said that, I'm going to take Spurs. I, I think at the end of the day, there is enough quality there. And I need that regular assist and uh, clean sheet again. So please keep on going. That's all I got. Moving on to the next one, Aston Villa against Leicester. A very interesting line here, in my opinion. Villa at plus 155, Leicester at plus 175, draw at plus 230, over-unders at two and a half. This is a game I feel like Steven Gerrard has waited for since his last game at Liverpool. I think the day he became a manager, he has wanted to face Brendan Rodgers. And you know what? Like... I don't know if they've played an old form against each other. I don't think so. I think Gerard joined and then you had Rodgers essentially leave uh, for Leicester at, like right before or right after, I think. So this is a game. I, I mean, y'all can keep giving your predictions after this. I am going ahead and taking Aston Villa. I mean, I think Gerard's going to have them riled up. I think Leicester are, have deficiencies. Aston Villa are going to be very good and with the Villa Park crowd completely believe I think 11.30 kickoff on Sunday get your hangover food get some drinks out any other vitamins that you might want to smoke bring them out and have a good time <laughs> watching this game Brayden I'm sorry did you say smoking vitamins uh, is that a thing now like am I just way behind I... <sighs> okay. different ways Brayden it's fine fair enough um <laughs> So I, I'm mostly with you, Sapoon. I don't know about like Gerard and Brendan Rogers. We'll we'll see about that. Like I like that as a narrative, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but I think like this Villa team is playing. Like you can watch this Villa team, and they're playing better than they were before uh, Jared got there. And uh, kind of similar to what I was saying about Ole earlier, and like sometimes things just don't work out with the current manager. Like I don't think it's about Dean Smith being bad. I think it's just about a new guy coming in and getting buy-in from everyone there. I I think Villa are playing well. If you play FPL, get Buendia in now. Like, he's looked good. He looked very good against City and just, like, there were a couple times he didn't get the ball passed to him. There was a couple times that it was put on a plate for a teammate for an assist and he did terrible things with it. Uh, Buendia looked very good against City. I was very impressed. Um, I think this Villa team has something about them. Leicester have played kind of fine recently. They've been better from their start of the season, but I think this is a very interesting test for both of these teams. Like, if, if Villa get a win here, I, I think you maybe see them kick on and, like, really kind of solidify around mid-table and, and get out of kind of this muck that they were in earlier in the season. I'm, it's got to be Aston Villa, right? Uh, this Leicester team can, week to week, can be sorted out by a team with just a tidbit, a team that's got a tidbit more talent or a team that's just a tidbit more fired up. Sometimes Leicester can come out a tidbit flat. And Stevie, Stevie's at the wheel. So, like, I can't necessarily bet against Villa here. They, 
yeah, City beat them because they're City, but like they actually looked a competent side against City, and this is this man's third game in charge. The Holton is going to be, I'm going to say Liddy Titty again, because apparently that's the phrase of the day. It's going to be lit. It's going to be hype. Lester occasionally wilts when the fans get a little bit too noisy. And plus 55 is a decent payout. Uh, he's big, he's fucking hard, and he's the manager who's going to get me my motherfucking money. So I'm going to put my faith in love of my life, Steven Gerrard, and pick Villa. Uh, but I can also expect this to be a match that bangs real hard, too. Uh, like I said, the whole time to be jumping, and Lester might come out and just play them evenly. But they ain't going to fucking win. I mean, I, I do want to add one thing about that. I, I know it sounds kind of crazy uh, when you when you consider what I said about uh, Steven Jarrah, but he he definitely comes across as a guy who holds grudges. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I, I think he probably still blames Brendan Rodgers for not winning the league title. And I think uh, def- he like... I really want just, you know, we were talking about this this week as well with a couple of our other friends that I really just miss old school, like, managers going at it. Like, you know, you had, like, Wenger, Fergie, Fergie, Rafa, like, all of that shit that ha- used to happen, like, Mourinho, Pep back in the day. Like, I, I miss that, and I really hope, like, Gerard brings some of that fire to the press conference because, like, you know what? Like, if he was not good at winning leagues, he was at least good at being fiery. So... Uh, yeah, let's hope uh, that comes through. Arteta telling Klopp to fuck off just doesn't have quite the same <laughs> ring to it. I mean, Steven Gerrard once punched a dude in the face because he wouldn't play a fucking song he wanted to hear. That man holds a grudge like nobody's business. I bet you he punched that motherfucker in the face right now. Like, so, so really, really, we need Fabregas to become a manager and just like th- start throwing pizzas around. Yep. <laughs> Imagine the scenes at Old Trafford to the him and Carrick throwing pizzas. <laughs> uh, and talking about Carrick and um, Fabregas, here is Arteta and here is Rafa Benitez. I mean, after a three-game title challenge that Everton started off with, I think the season has turned for the worse. And, and this is ultimately what... What, like, I think Everton board probably feared when they took on Rafa Benitez, that when results are not, if the results don't go your way, it does not matter how good, uh, how good a manager, tactician, whatever you want to call him, he is. It really, I feel like, um, is not going to work out at Everton. So, um, Everton at home at plus 225, um, Plus 125, draw at plus 230, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, are your boys going to go in and bounce back after shambolic performance against Man United? I mean, I would not call it shambolic, <laughs> but okay. Um, look, I am just happy that we are not facing our like third new manager bounce type uh, special and, and that we're going to continue to get Everton at this low. I, I'm very high in Arsenal this match. I think you should expect them to win. I expect there to be goals in this game. Um, I I think Arsenal are pretty comfortably going to take care of Everton in this game. And and maybe that's just way rose-tinted glasses. That's definitely a possibility. But I think that 
Arsenal have what they need to take care of Everton in the state that they are right now. And I think you're 100% right about um, Rafa and Everton. Like, I just don't think it's going to work, and that's kind of fine. But, like, I hope Arsenal can take advantage of it while, while it's still there. Well, folks, you know what's starting to happen for me because it's been a whole thing all season. Uh, Rafferton is not going to work out, and it's proving itself to not be okay the more and more we get into it. And this is an Arsenal team who, again, we said they played young today, but it's still a young, talented team. And Everton fucking suck. So I'm going to pick Arsenal. I'm going to take Brayden's rose-colored glasses and turn them bitches red as shit and say that Everton's not even going to get out of the starting blocks. Arsenal about to beat the shit out of them. That's right. I'm calling them right now. They're whooping that ass. Evertonian bunch of motherfuckers. Your title challenge is over. Like I said, Rotherton's not working. I don't know why I'm so fired up and so mad about Everton. I think I'm still just bitter about Virgil van Dyke's legs just not being the way they were supposed to be because of them. So, yeah. Uh, I got Arsenal winning, and uh, yeah, I hope fucking Jordan Pickford chokes in the game, not in real life. I don't wish death upon anybody, but like a howler would be, my heart would grow three sizes. I hope you don't wish death upon anyone, and uh, I'm going to go with Arsenal as well. I think plus 125 kind of is a no-brainer in this case. Having said that, that brings us to an end of the first segment of this podcast. We are going to be back with... Some exciting parlays, both teams and players. So we'll see you on the other side. What is up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. Back with the part that the three of us enjoyed the most. Coming up with some ridiculous parlays that uh, get ever so close to hitting. Uh, Will did hit with a push. So congratulations, Will. I was very mad at your boy Diogo Jota for missing out on a shot. Would have won 100 fucking bucks. And not just 12 bucks. <laughs> actual real motherfucking money. So fuck you, Klopp, for taking him off. Um, so so to be to be fair, like when we say congrats to Will for the push, like that's golf claps. That's that's not like actual like congrats. You have to get three of three to be like really celebrating. Like like getting a push on one is fine, but not what we're looking for here. Don't you take my stable genius credit away? All right, <laughs> I tried. I thought. I came up with it, and I got this close to being 100% right. Um, I'll take my baby victory lap. I'm not going to have it this week. I just – that's the best part about parlays. I got real lucky, and that's why I like making these bets because it makes you watch harder, honestly. Fair. So, well, why don't you kick things off for this weekend with uh, the team parlays first? Team parlays, I'm going straight up this week, guys. I'm taking my own bets. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going to let these parlays play themselves out. The three-team parlay, I'm taking Villa at plus 125. I'm taking West Ham at plus 340, because why not? And I'm taking my dumbass bet of the week in Norwich at plus 600. Again, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to stand on this hill. I'm not going to die on this hill either. I'm going to get this parlay. It will pay out. A hot $7,754 of virtual money because, let's be honest, I would never put $100 on this bet in real life because I'm terrified of unmortgaging my house. Um, Hey, but if you want to listen to it, please do. And please let me know if you win the money and share it with me because, again, stable genius. In order to keep me stable, I need that money. Well, that 
that's going to be an interesting uh, choice there. Will, I am going to go with an over 2.75 for the Liverpool Wolves game, over 2.75 in the United Palace game, and over 2.25 in the Chelsea West Ham game. $100 pays off 657.02. I mean, you know, I, I expect goals this weekend. And I think we are seeing the league become much more uh, goal-friendly. And especially in a weekend like this where there are teams that are starting off with new managers, continuing red-hot players. This seems like a game that... uh, This seems like a weekend where we could see the Overs Club really do well. All right. So for me this week, I've got Norwich at uh, plus 1.25. So the 1.25... you. You're probably not going to get that as a book. Basically, what that means is it's a split between one and one and a half. Um, so, basically, you need um, it, one is a push, 1.5 wins is kind of how that works. Um, but don't worry about it too much. Um, Leeds, Brentford at under two and a half, and just the Arsenal money line. Um, so, $100 there pays out 783 60 um so a decent little return there not not the craziest we're not going for the 7,000 that will has um but a, a, a decent little payout norwich has me terrified though like anytime i take norwich like what am i doing yep yeah i know the feel <coughs> well brain why don't you start off with the player parlays then yeah so for me i'm going um I'm going hunting in a few places that I, I mentioned earlier that I liked. So I've got an Aubameyang goal. He's come close in the past two matches. It just hasn't, I, you know, one, he hit, missed an open goal hit the post. Uh, the other was a decent uh, day of save. Um, but I think he's getting in the positions and the goals will come. Uh, Buendia, I talked about how much I like the way he played against city. I, I think he gets a goal here in this match and I've got, um, Maxwell Cornette on two short shots on goal. At, and, like, the Cornette two shots on goal is plus 500. Like, I realize he's not that much of a high-volume, um, shoot like, shooter. Like, he, he kind of, like, does a little bit more all-action. But there's a path to him getting two shots on goal against Newcastle. Like, that that's a thing that could definitely happen. So, $100 in this pays out 5760 if that hits. So, um Let's go Cornette, I guess. Am I cheering for Burnley now? Like, is this what my life has come to? Brayden out here cheering for bread. Uh, I'm going to the Golbazo show today. Um, so I picked three players to score at least one goal. Uh, speaking of the uh, lovely Wonder Bread boys, I'm actually going to take Callum Wilson uh, for a goal. I'm going to take Jota for a goal because I have to be a homer. And uh, a returning Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Decent odds on all of these. It's not going to return the most. It's light work for my normal nonsense. It will return $1,100.26, which pays for the tax for that pack of bubblegum. I think Jota's got a goal in him. I think we'll we'll come on and make something happen, possibly to the detriment of West Ham, but hopefully not because that counts for the other bet. Uh, And I just like Callum Wilson. Like, yeah, that, that's a very fair bet. Uh, I'm going to keep it a little bit more simple than both of y'all. I'm going to go with some shots on goals. 
um, Salah and Oli Watkins to have two shots on goal apiece. And um, Rice and Cornette both to have one shot on goal. Uh, $100 bet in that situation pays out $2,025, which I, I feel like is a very reasonable bet now that I think about it. You know, might uh, have to go on to Bovada to uh, take advantage of that. Having said that, that is it from us, guys. We'll be back next week reviewing, previewing again. The games are going to come thick and fast. Champions League next week. So at least we'll not have to do two uh, back-to-back podcasts trying to figure out what is exactly going to happen. So enjoy the games. Enjoy uh, Festa season. I hope you took advantage of Black, Fri- Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday to order all, them, all those uh, Christmas gifts. So cheers. Have a good one, and uh, we'll see you next week. Top guys out. Wrestling, again.